Part two, chapter four of Under Western Eyes by Joseph Conrad. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Part two, chapter four. Several days elapsed before I met Natalie Halden again. I was crossing the place in front of the theatre when I made out her shapely figure in the very act of turning between the gate pillars of the unattractive public promenade of the bastions she walked away from me but i knew we should meet as she returned down the main alley unless indeed she were going home in that case i don't think i should have called on her yet my desire to keep her away from these people was as strong as ever but i had no illusions as to my power i was but a westerner and it was clear that miss holden would not could not listen to my wisdom and as to my desire of listening to her voice it were better i thought not to indulge overmuch in that pleasure no i should not have gone to the boulevard des philosophes but when at about the middle of the principal alley i saw miss halden coming towards me i was too curious and too honest perhaps to run away there was something of the spring harshness in the air the blue sky was hard but the young leaves clung like soft mist about the uninteresting range of trees and the clear sun put little points of gold into the grey of miss halden's frank eyes turned to me with a friendly greeting i inquired after the health of her mother she had a slight movement of her shoulders and a little sad sigh but you see i did come out for a walk for exercise as you english say i smiled approvingly and she added an unexpected remark it is a glorious day her voice slightly harsh but fascinating with its masculine and bird-like quality had the accent of spontaneous conviction i was glad of it it was as though she had become aware of her youth for there was but little of spring-like glory in the rectangular railed space of grass and trees framed visibly by the orderly roof-slopes of that town comely without grace and hospitable without sympathy in the very air through which she moved there was but little warmth and the sky the sky of a land without horizons swept and washed clean by the april showers extended a cold cruel blue without elevation narrowed suddenly by the ugly dark wall of the jura where here and there lingered a few miserable trails and patches of snow all the glory of the season must have been within herself and i was glad this feeling had come into her life if only for a little time i am pleased to hear you say these words she gave me a quick look quick not stealthy if there is one thing of which she was absolutely incapable it was stealthiness her sincerity was expressed in the very rhythm of her walk it was i who was looking at her covertly if i may say so i knew where she had been but i did not know what she had seen and heard in that nest of aristocratic conspiracies i use the word aristocratic for want of a better term the chateau borel embowered in the trees and thickets of its neglected grounds had its fame in our day like the residence of that other dangerous and exiled woman madame de stael in the napoleonic era only the napoleonic despotism the booted heir of the revolution which counted that intellectual woman for an enemy worthy to be watched was something quite unlike the autocracy in mystic vestments engendered by the slavery of a tartar conquest and madame de s was very far from resembling the gifted author of corinne she made a great noise about being persecuted i don't know if she were regarded in certain circles as dangerous as to being watched i imagine that the chateau borel could be subjected only to a most distant observation it was in its exclusiveness an ideal abode for hatching superior plots 
whether serious or futile but all this did not interest me i wanted to know the effect its extraordinary inhabitants and its special atmosphere had produced on a girl like miss holden so true so honest but so dangerously inexperienced her unconsciously lofty ignorance of the baser instincts of mankind left her disarmed before her own impulses and there was also that friend of her brother the significant new arrival from russia i wondered whether she had managed to meet him we walked for some time slowly and in silence you know i attacked her suddenly if you don't intend telling me anything you must say so distinctly and then of course it shall be final but i won't play at delicacy i ask you point-blank for all the details she smiled faintly at my threatening tone you are as curious as a child no i am only an anxious old man i replied earnestly she rested her glance on me as if to ascertain the degree of my anxiety or the number of my years my physiognomy has never been expressive i believe and as to my years i am not ancient enough as yet to be strikingly decrepit i have no long beard like the good hermit of a romantic ballad my footsteps are not tottering my aspect not that of a slow venerable sage those picturesque advantages are not mine i am old alas in a brisk commonplace way and it seemed to me as though there was some pity for me in miss holden's prolonged glance she stepped out a little quicker you ask for all the details let me see i ought to remember them it was novel enough for a, a village girl like me after a moment of silence she began by saying that the chateau borel was almost as neglected inside as outside it was nothing to wonder at a hamburg banker i believe retired from business had it built to cheer his remaining days by the view of that lake whose precise orderly and well-to-do beauty must have been attractive to the unromantic imagination of a business man but he died soon his wife departed too but only to italy and this house of moneyed ease presumably unsaleable had stood empty for several years one went to it up a gravel drive round a large coarse grass plot with plenty of time to observe the degradation of its stuccoed front miss holden said that the impression was unpleasant it grew more depressing as one came nearer she observed green stains of moss on the steps of the terrace the front door stood wide open there was no one about she found herself in a wide lofty and absolutely empty hall with a good many doors these doors were all shut a broad bare stone staircase faced her and the effect of the whole was of an untenanted house she stood still disconcerted by the solitude but after a while she became aware of a voice speaking continuously somewhere you were probably being observed all the time i suggested there must have been eyes i don't see how that could be she retorted i haven't seen even a bird in the grounds i don't remember hearing a single twitter in the trees the whole place appeared utterly deserted except for the voice she could not make out the language russian french or german no one seemed to answer it it was as though the voice had been left behind by the departed inhabitants to talk to the bare walls it went on volubly with a pause now and then it was lonely and sad the time seemed very long to miss holden an invincible repugnance prevented her from opening one of the doors in the hall it was so hopeless no one would come the voice would never stop she confessed to me that she had to resist an impulse to turn around and go away unseen as she had come really you had that impulse i cried full of regret what a pity you did not obey it 
she shook her head what a strange memory it would have been for one those deserted grounds that empty hall that impersonal voluble voice and nobody nothing not a soul the memory would have been unique and harmless but she was not a girl to run away from an intimidating impression of solitude and mystery no i did not run away she said i stayed where i was and i did see a soul such a strange soul as she was gazing up the broad staircase and had concluded that the voice came from somewhere above a rustle of dress attracted her attention she looked down and saw a woman crossing the hall having issued apparently through one of the many doors her face was averted so that at first she was not aware of miss holden on turning her head and seeing a stranger she appeared very much startled from her slender figure miss holden had taken her for a young girl but if her face was almost childishly round it was also sallow and wrinkled with dark rings under the eyes a thick crop of dusty brown hair was parted boyishly on the side with a lateral wave above the dry furrowed forehead after a moment of dumb blinking she suddenly squatted down on the floor what do you mean by squatted down i asked astonished this is a very strange detail miss holden explained the reason this person when first seen was carrying a small bowl in her hand she had squatted down to put it on the floor for the benefit of a large cat which appeared then from behind her skirts and hid its head into the bowl greedily she got up and approaching miss holden asked with nervous bluntness what do you want who are you miss holden mentioned her name and also the name of peter ivanovitch the girlish elderly woman nodded and puckered her face into a momentary expression of sympathy her black silk blouse was old and even frayed in places the black serge skirt was short and shabby she continued to blink at close quarters and her eyelashes and eyebrows seemed shabby too miss holden speaking gently to her as if to an unhappy and sensitive person explained how it was that her visit could not be an altogether unexpected event to madame de s ah peter ivanovitch brought you an invitation how was i to know madame de compagnie is not consulted as you may imagine the shabby woman laughed a little her teeth splendidly white and admirably even looked absurdly out of place like a string of pearls on the neck of a ragged tramp peter ivanovitch is the greatest genius of the century perhaps but he is the most inconsiderate man living so if you have an appointment with him you must not be surprised to hear that he is not here miss holden explained that she had no appointment with peter ivanovitch she became interested at once in that bizarre person why should he put himself out for you or anyone else oh these geniuses if you only knew yes and their books i mean of course the books that the world admires the inspired books but you have not been behind the scenes wait till you have to sit at a table for a half a day with a pen in your hand he can walk up and down his rooms for hours and hours i used to get so stiff and numb that i was afraid i would lose my balance and fall off the chair all at once she kept her hands folded in front of her and her eyes fixed on miss holden's face betrayed no animation whatever miss holden gathering that the lady who called herself a dame de compagnie was proud of having acted as secretary to peter ivanovitch made an amiable remark you could not imagine a more trying experience declared the lady there is an anglo-american journalist interviewing madame de s now or i would take you up she continued in a changed tone and glancing towards the staircase i act as master of ceremonies it appeared that madame de s could not bear swiss servants about her person 
and indeed servants would not stay for very long in the chateau borel there were always difficulties miss holden had already noticed that the hall was like a dusty barn of marble and stucco with cobwebs in the corners and faint tracks of mud on the black and white tessellated floor i look also after this animal continued the dame de compagnie keeping her hands folded quietly in front of her and she bent her worn gaze upon the cat i don't mind a bit animals have their rights though strictly speaking i see no reason why they should not suffer as well as human beings do you but of course they never suffer so much that is impossible only in their case it is more pitiful because they cannot make a revolution i used to be a republican i suppose you are a republican miss holden confessed to me that she did not know what to say but she nodded slightly and asked in her turn and are you no longer a republican after taking down peter ivanovitch from dictation for two years it is difficult for me to be anything first of all you have to sit perfectly motionless the slightest movement you make puts to flight the ideas of peter ivanovitch you hardly dare to breathe and as to coughing god forbid peter ivanovitch changed the position of the table to the wall because at first i could not help raising my eyes to look out of the window while waiting for him to go on with his dictation that was not allowed he said i stared so stupidly i was likewise not permitted to look at him over my shoulder instantly peter ivanovitch stamped his foot and would roar look down on the paper it seems my expression my face put him off well i know that i am not beautiful and that my expression is not hopeful either he said that my air of unintelligent expectation irritated him these are his own words miss holden was shocked but admitted to me that she was not altogether surprised is it possible that peter ivanovitch could treat any woman so rudely she cried the dame de compagnie nodded several times with an air of discretion then assured miss holden that she did not mind in the least the trying part of it was to have the secret of the composition laid bare before her to see the great author of the revolutionary gospels grope for words as if he were in the dark as to what he meant to say i am quite willing to be the blind instrument of higher ends to give one's life for the cause is nothing but to have one's illusions destroyed that is really almost more than one can bear i really don't exaggerate she insisted it seemed to freeze my very beliefs in me the more so that when we worked in winter peter ivanovitch walking up and down the room required no artificial heat to keep himself warm even when we moved to the south of france there are bitterly cold days especially when you have to sit still for six hours at a stretch the walls of these villas on the riviera are so flimsy peter ivanovitch did not seem to be aware of anything it is true that i kept down my shivers from fear of putting him out i used to set my teeth till my jaws felt absolutely locked in the moments when peter ivanovitch interrupted his dictation and sometimes these intervals were very long often twenty minutes no less while he walked to and fro behind my back muttering to himself i felt i was dying by inches i assure you perhaps if i had let my teeth rattle peter ivanovitch might have noticed my distress but i don't think it would have had any practical effect she's very miserly in such matters the dame de compagnie glanced up the staircase the big cat had finished the milk and was rubbing its whiskered cheek sinuously against her skirt she dived to snatch it up from the floor miserliness is rather a quality than otherwise you know she continued holding the cat in her folded arms with us it is misers who can spare money for worthy objects not the so-called generous natures but pray don't think i am a sybarite my father was a clerk in the ministry of finances with no position at all 
you may guess by this that our home was far from luxurious though of course we did not actually suffer from cold i ran away from my parents you know directly i began to think by myself it is not very easy such thinking one has got to be put in the way of it awakened to the truth i am indebted for my salvation to an old apple-woman who had her stall under the gateway of the house we lived in she had a kind wrinkled face and the most friendly voice imaginable one day casually we began to talk about a child a ragged little girl we had seen begging from men in the streets at dusk and from one thing to another my eyes began to open gradually to the horrors from which innocent people are made to suffer in this world only in order that governments might exist after i once understood the crime of the upper classes i could not go on living with my parents not a single charitable word was to be heard in our home from year's end to year's end there was nothing but the talk of vile office intrigues and of promotion and of salaries and of courting the favour of the chiefs the mere idea of marrying one day such another man as my father made me shudder i don't mean that there was any one wanting to marry me there was not the slightest prospect of anything of the kind but was it not sin enough to live on a government salary while half russia was dying of hunger the ministry of finances what a grotesque horror it is what does the starving ignorant people want with a ministry of finances i kissed my old folks on both cheeks and went away from them to live in cellars with the proletariat i tried to make myself useful to the utterly hopeless i suppose you understand what i mean i mean the people who have nowhere to go and nothing to look forward to in this life do you understand how frightful that is nothing to look forward to sometimes i think that it is only in russia that there are such people and such a depth of misery can be reached well i plunged into it and do you know there isn't much that one can do in there no indeed at least as long as there are ministries of finances and such like grotesque horrors to stand in the way i suppose i would have gone mad there just trying to fight the vermin if it had not been for a man it was my old friend and teacher the poor saintly apple-woman who discovered him for me quite accidentally she came to fetch me late one evening in her quiet way i followed her where she would lead that part of my life was in her hands altogether and without her my spirit would have perished miserably the man was a young workman a lithographer by trade and he had got into trouble in connection with that affair of temperance tracts you remember there was a lot of people put in prison for that the ministry of finances again what would become of it if the poor folks ceased making beasts of themselves with drink upon my word i would think that finances and all the rest of it are an invention of the devil only that a belief in a supernatural source of evil is not necessary men alone are quite capable of every wickedness finances indeed hatred and contempt hissed in her utterance of the word finances but at the very moment she gently stroked the cat reposing in her arms she even raised them slightly and inclining her head rubbed her cheek against the fur of the animal which received this caress with a complete detachment so characteristic of its kind then looking at miss haldin she excused herself once more for not taking her upstairs to madame s the interview could not be interrupted presently the journalist would be seen coming down the stairs the best thing was to remain in the hall and besides all these rooms she glanced all round at the many doors all these rooms on the ground floor were unfurnished positively there is no chair down here to offer you she continued but if you prefer your own thoughts to my chatter i will sit down on the bottom step here and keep silent miss haldin hastened to assure her 
that on the contrary she was very much interested in the story of the journeyman lithographer he was a revolutionist of course a martyr a simple man said the dame de compagnie with a faint sigh and gazing through the open front door dreamily she turned her misty brown eyes on miss haldin i lived with him for four months it was like a nightmare as miss haldin looked at her inquisitively she began to describe the emaciated face of the man his fleshless limbs his destitution the room into which the apple-woman had led her was a tiny garret a miserable den under the roof of a sordid house the plaster fallen off the walls covered the floor and when the door was opened a horrible tapestry of black cobwebs waved in the draught he had been liberated a few days before flung out of prison into the streets and miss haldin seemed to see for the first time a name and a face upon the body of that suffering people whose hard fate had been the subject of so many conversations between her and her brother in the garden of their country house he had been arrested with scores and scores of other people in that affair of the lithograph temperance tracts unluckily having got hold of a great many suspected persons the police thought they could extract from some of them other information relating to the revolutionist propaganda they beat him so cruelly in the course of investigation went on the dame de compagnie that they injured him internally when they had done with him he was doomed he could do nothing for himself i beheld him lying on a wooden bedstead without any bedding with his head on a bundle of dirty rags lent to him out of charity by an old rag-picker who happened to live in the basement of the house there he was uncovered burning with fever and there was not even a jug in the room for the water to quench his thirst with there was nothing whatever just that bedstead and the bare floor was there no one in all that great town amongst the liberals and revolutionaries to extend a helping hand to a brother asked miss haldin indignantly yes but you do not know the most terrible part of that man's misery listen it seems that they ill-used him so atrociously that at last his firmness gave way and he did let out some information poor soul the flesh is weak you know what it was he did not tell me there was a crushed spirit in that mangled body nothing i found to say could make him whole when they let him out he crept into that hole and bore his remorse stoically he would not go near any one he knew i would have sought assistance for him but indeed where could i have gone looking for it where was i to look for any one who had anything to spare or any power to help the people living round us were all starving and drunken they were the victims of the ministry of finances don't ask me how we lived i couldn't tell you it was like a miracle of wretchedness i had nothing to sell and i assure you my clothes were in such a state that it was impossible for me to go out in the daytime i was indecent i had to wait till it was dark before i ventured into the streets to beg for a crust of bread or whatever i could get to keep him and me alive often i got nothing and then i would crawl back and lie on the floor by the side of his couch oh yes i can sleep quite soundly on bare boards that is nothing and i am only mentioning it to you so that you should not think i am a sybarite it was infinitely less killing than the task of sitting for hours at a table in a cold study to take the books of peter ivanovitch from dictation but you shall see yourself what that is like so i needn't say any more about it it is by no means certain that i will ever take peter ivanovitch from dictation said miss haldin no cried the other incredulously not certain you mean to say that you have not made up your mind when miss haldin assured her that there never had been any question of that between her and peter ivanovitch the woman with the cat compressed her lips tightly for a moment oh you will find yourself settled at the table before you know that you have made up your mind 
don't make a mistake it is disenchanting to hear peter ivanovitch dictate but at the same time there is a fascination about it he is a man of genius your face is certain not to irritate him you may perhaps even help his inspiration make it easier for him to deliver his message as i look at you i feel certain that you are the kind of woman who is not likely to check the flow of his inspiration miss haldin thought it useless to protest against all these assumptions but this man this workman did he die under your care she said after a short silence end of part two chapter four section one recording by expatriate in bangor maine